0: frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. Well, you're listening to us as well on uh, Channel 902, if you're listening to us on the DSTV audio channel. And today we're looking at a very interesting conversation. Are child marriages still a relevant part of Africa's contemporary societies? That's the question that we're asking today as our part of uh, speaking about uh, uh, 16 days of activism against violence against women and children. So we'll be looking at that particular theme. Well, let's move on right now and get our news from Anilin Tinti.
1: We take a look at your headlines. Thirty people, including one UN peacekeeper, have been killed in clashes between the army and Ugandan Islamist rebels in Northeastern DRC. Former Central African Republic's President François Bozize determined to return to his home country to contest the December elections. And COP21 conference underway in Paris aims to come up with the framework to cut greenhouse gas emissions. Thirty people, including one UN peacekeeper, have been killed in clashes peating the army and UN troops against Ugandan Islamist rebels in northeastern DRC. The violence on Sunday underlines persistent instability in an area where local activists say at least 500 civilians have been killed since October last year, most in overnight raids by rebels carried out with machetes and hashes. Former Central African Republic's President Francois Bozize is determined to return to his home country to contest the December elections. Bozize was speaking in Uganda as Pope Francis called on fighters waging a civil war in C.A.R. to lay down their weapons and seek reconciliation. Mahalte Gallons has more. Francois Bozize is making plans to be back in his home country. A complicated affair, as the government that succeeded him issued an international warrant for his arrest, and he faces United Nations travel and banking sanctions. But Bozize wants to return to power.
2: Why I don't stay in other country for what? I want to come back in my country. I want to, to do do between the candidate of the election.
1: Bozize, who took over in a coup, was in charge of the war-torn Central Africa Republic for 10 years. He was ousted in 2013 by the mainly Muslim Seleka rebels, accusing him of not honoring an earlier peace deal. Africa's biggest AIDS conference is underway in Harare, Zimbabwe. The International Conference on AIDS and STIs in Africa, ICASA, has drawn 4,000 experts and government officials. It comes amidst warnings that the continent risks losing ground in its fight against HIV AIDS if the programs are not intensified, Simon Muchemwa reports.
3: The 18th
4: International Conference on AIDS and STIs in Africa started on a high note in the Zimbabwean capital Harare on Sunday with experts and various officials raising concern over the rising HIV-related deaths among its adolescents. AIDS is the main cause of deaths among its adolescents. A call was made during the opening of the 18th Ikasa in Harare for knowledge levels to be increased as the world is recording 26 new infections every hour.
1: The UN Climate Change Summit is underway in Paris after two decades of talks that failed to slow the relentless pace of global warming. Negotiators from almost 200 countries are widely expected to sign a deal in the next two weeks to take concrete steps to cut emission. Jack Parrock reports.
0: The goal of the Climate Change Summit is to adopt a legally binding agreement to keep global warming below 2 degrees Celsius this century, the point at which scientists say the effects of climate change would be drastic, causing floods, droughts and major destruction. For its part, the European Union has committed to reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 40%. However, Poland says it will do everything it can to shelter an already struggling coal mining sector from any radical action. While the EU accounts for 10% of the world's emissions, much of the focus will be on China and the US, who make up around 45% combined.
1: And finally, Top Minister Niger is meddling in a high-profile baby trafficking case, allegedly involving a prominent opposition leader and presidential aspirant. The Independent Magistrate Union of Niger have denounced the silence of President Mohamedou Isufu's surrounding minister, Bazoum Muhammad's comments on the case against former Premier and former National Assembly head Hama Amadou. Two weeks ago, Amadou, who is running for president, was arrested on his return for from a year in exile in France over allegations of baby trafficking. The Judges' Union denounced Mohammed for insulting and aiming to discredit the judicial body in an interview he had with a news magazine. Recapping on your top stories, 30 people, including one UN peacekeeper, have been killed in clashes between the army and Ugandan Islamist rebels in northeastern DRC. Former Central African Republic's President Francois Boziza determined to return to his home country to contest the December elections. And COP21 conference underway in Paris aims to come up with the framework to cut greenhouse gas emissions. Channel African News, I am Onilene Sensei.
0: Yeah, you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And thank you to Onela for that uh, news update. And uh, right now you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Remember, on DSTV, we're on the audio bouquet on Channel 902. Don't forget that you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're looking at a big question that even the African Union was asking last week about child marriages still being relevant in Africa's contemporary societies. Now, the United Nations Children's Fund has already said and highlighted that if the current levels persist, the total number of child brides in Africa will rise from more than 120 million to over 300 million by 2050. Now, this was the crux of the report by UNICEF released at the African Union Girls Summit that was underway last week in Lusaka, Zambia. UNICEF's statistical report titled A Profile of Child Marriage in Africa points to slow rates of reduction combined with rapid population growth as major causes for the projected increase of child marriage on the continent. Now, earlier on, one of our reporters spoke to Manuel Fontaine, who is UNICEF's regional director for West and Central Africa. Let's listen to this particular conversation on this issue.
3: Some of the findings are uh, in numbers. We know that now there's 125 million young women who have been married as children before the age of 18. So it's one out of three young women in the continent was married before the age of 18. But also what we know is that this number, because of the particular the demographic growth in the continent, this number is likely to rise to more than 300 million by 2050, making then Africa the... Uh, region with the highest number of young women who have been married as children. I think what, what for us as well is, is important is it's clear that the profile of these young women who have been married as a girl is basically a young woman from forest rural families and you know most marginalized families.
1: As a children's agency, what worries you most about the findings of this report?
3: Well, I think what worries us is that we know that for every single one of them that has been married before the age of 18, first of all, there's a much increased risk of health issues and problems for her, in particular if she gets pregnant. As a child, we know that, you know, teenage pregnancy is the lead cause of mortality among teenage girls in Africa. It has also an impact on our future family. We know that children born out of a girl, a child, are more likely to be malnourished and are more likely to die young. We know that also it means that our schooling has been interrupted in most cases, so it's our capacity to develop, but also contribute to our family and community and country. So we know it has also an impact on the development of countries.
0: Well, that's Manuel Fontaine, who's UNICEF's regional director for Western Central Africa there, who spoke from Lusaka in Zambia last week to our reporter, Elizabeth Lidich. Now, we're continuing on this particular conversation. We're asking the question today on our program, are child marriages still a relevant part of Africa's contemporary society? We're joined on the line by Advocate Sabelo Sibanda, who is the founder of the School of African Awareness and Ama Africa at Koto, as well as uh, General Manager at the Center of the Study of Violence and Reconciliation, Nontantla Sibanda, and also we have Gender and Women's Rights Advisor at Oxfam, Sikoli Ileng Now I want to start this conversation with you, Advocate Sibanda, thank you for joining us on our program.
4: Yes, good morning. How are you doing?
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. It's great having you back on our program. Now, let's look at this particular issue of child marriages. We know it is a traditional practice in many places on the continent because it happened for many generations. But can you give us a little bit of a lowdown on the history of child marriages and why they were introduced initially?
4: Well, basically um, the whole concept of um, child marriages, yes it was um, cultural and um, the whole definition of um, child Hmm. looking at it from a perspective where now you have the cutoff at the age of 18 being the operative um, age that we're looking at was never really the consideration because um, there was no issue in as far as um, counting years in the manner in which um, it is done now. It was um, after a situation where the girls would have gone through their initiation and whereby the boys would also have gone um, through their processes of um, initiation where they are now considered as um, elders and then they would be considered as being of a marriageable age. But um, definitely the reality has um, changed somewhat. Mm. Mm. It's one of those um, cultural practices that we have to look at critically as African people and ask ourselves if there is still any value in um, maintaining um, that particular practice. More so that now, What is happening is that um, the tendency is that the young women are married off to very old people, and yes, it did happen um, in the past as well that um, that was the case, but the difference is that amongst the social ills that were being addressed with um, marrying off, scenarios where in some societies, if a person gets married and um, the lobola process has been um, engaged upon and everything like that. And it is found that um, the lady cannot bear any children or the lady dies before bearing children. Then you look at the younger sister who almost effectively replaces the sister in marriage. And if the young sister is still someone who's um, young and for the purposes that we're talking about, under 18, then they get married off to this um, elderly person. And in some cases, it would be scenarios where it is considered that the elderly um, wife is no longer performing um, her matrimonial duties, basically, and the man is still active, and Mm. then the young lady Mm. is... um, basically identified and um, keeps um, plays that particular role if I can put it that way. Well, I'm going to have to take a
0: quick break right now, Advocate. um, uh, And then we'll come back to our other guests because I think you've given us a bit of a context in terms of that historical relevance and where it started. But I I have Nontantla Sibanda, the gender manager at uh, Centre for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation, also holding on the line, and Skoli Lingobo there with us, uh, who is the Oxfam um, Gender and Women's Rights Advisor. What are your thoughts? Do you think that child marriage is still relevant? and Can they still be part of Africa's contemporary society? Let us know your thoughts on PLAS 27 796957930 we got that backdrop from advocate Sabelo Sibanda, the founder of the School of African Awareness in Ama Africa at Koto, saying that initially it was a sense of uh, passage of rights, and also we've seen some uh, changes in, within the practice within contemporary societies. We'll really go back and, and look at it from an African perspective. What does it mean, those particular changes? And also continue this conversation, because I really want to look at this historical, historical relevance of it because there seems to be a lot of um, people's uh, defense of child marriages. I want to come back to that. But hey, let us know your thoughts. Plus two we're going to take a quick break and come back to this topic. To Get to know
5: Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views, and great African entertainment. Bonjour you
2: can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio bouquet Channel
5: 902.
1: Channel Africa the voice of the african renaissance
0: Plus 2779-695-7930. That is our SMS number. 2779 Today we're looking at the issue of child marriages. As I highlighted when I started the program that the African Union met last week in what they called the African Union Girls Summit underway. And also a big subject that came out was the issue of child marriages on the continent. We're going to be unpacking this reality and we've seen this report that's came out from UNICEF that states that uh, the numbers of child marriages are set to double on the continent and uh, might actually also um, go beyond uh, the um, what um, countries such as Asia uh, the numbers that are in countries such as Asia, for instance. So, we want to know your thoughts? Do you think that child marriages are still relevant in Africa's contemporary societies? Let us know what you think on this particular issue. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine. I can already hear that we have struggling with one of the lines there, so I'm not quite sure who we've actually lost in our conversation, but let me see who we have there on the line. Advocate, are you still there? No, we don't have Advocate. Do we have Nontalanta Sibanda there? no we've lost everyone on our line so we're going to take a quick break and see if our producers are actually on the uh, dealing with this particular problem but hey plus 27796957930
6: let's take a quick break we'll be back
2: Channel Africa Blontaya. This is Lansana Fofana. Reporting for Channel Africa from Freetown.
4: Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe. This is Simon muchema Reporting for Channel Africa. This is
6: Moki Kinzaka. In Yawundi.
7: From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa.
5: In
4: Reporting for Channel Africa, Muay in Nairobi.
7: Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. My name is Sipahot Sticks Mabuse, a South African musician and an African artist for that matter. You are listening to
4: Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Pambi.
1: My name is Yvonne Chakachaka from South Africa, but Africa is my home. You're listening to Channel Africa, the
7: voice of the African Renaissance. My
2: name is Habida, an African artist from Kenya, and you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. I love you.
0: Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember that we want to hear from you. The question we're asking today on our program, are child marriages still relevant and are they can they still be part of Africa's contemporary societies? Let us know your thoughts. Plus 27796957930. That's plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Now we know that there was a huge gathering that took place last week in Zambia where the African Union met and they were discussing Uh, issues that deal with this particular issue and they called it the African Union's Girls Summit and uh, alongside that particular gathering was uh, the issue of uh, the UNICEF's report that came out that uh, highlighted that uh, if Africa does not deal with the issue it might surpass South Asia as the region with the highest number of child brides due to slow child marriage reduction coupled with an unexpected population boom in the next few decades. Now let's see If we can actually re-establish connections with our guests, Uh, let's see if we have Nontanta there. Nontanta, are you there with us? Morning, Benjamin. Fantastic. Sorry about the lines. I don't know what's happening there. But it's great to have you on our program. Uh, We start the program with that particular historical context or that traditional belief of why child marriages exist. From your side, in terms of that historical context, what do you see? And in terms of contemporary society, where are we when it comes to this particular practice?
5: I think firstly, Benjamin, I would like to agree with what Advocate Sibanda shared on earlier on, to say that child marriages, like many other customary institutions, have changed radically over the years. We've seen how the practice has taken on very different dimensions, which are quite concerning, including how young girls are being forcibly married to older men how young girls are being married, kidnapped and married off to relatives as wives. And also we've seen young girls abducted and these abductions not being reported to traditional authorities. And what is of particular concern is the fact that um, most of these cases, if not all, and without exception, involve force and violence or some kind of sexual violence or rape with and especially without the consent of the girl in question Mm.
0: very interesting and in terms of that you know you know in terms of the definitions of you know, child marriage and child abductions, because when we were coming up with this particular conversation, we were like, where do you create a, a boundary between the two and a distinction? And maybe I should put this to you, Skuli Lingob, in terms of, is there a distinction between child abductions and child marriages? And where do we draw the line between the two? And is the whole child marriage notion, are there parts of societies that are still respecting the traditional forms of how this practice is utilized in society?
8: Thank you. Um, I think for, for me, number one, um, child. As long as the child is below the age of uh, eighteen, that is child abuse in, in 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 definition. So whether child marriage or forced marriage is still uh, in, uh, relevant, I would think. I would say from our our interactions with different communities, it is very clear that parents would rather send their children to school than marrying them off. But that, in that context, as well, you find that um, because of poverty issues, then parents or guardians will opt out to marry children early so that then they don't have the responsibility to... To, to bring them up, and they think they will be better off if they are married off. So they, there's also a context as to which this child marriage or ugutwala of young children is currently happening. In that context, it has its uh, issues of poverty. But when you look at it, it shouldn't be happening as such. Mm. Mm. And today, in, our, in, in this day and age, um, it is no longer relevant as a practice, it is no longer relevant as a means of argumenting for any form mm-hmm. of um, marriage issues between the elderly. It was the advocate, Sibanda, earlier on said, in the previous uh, times, it was used when they find that the female could not bear children. There are so many other ways mm-hmm. of having children that do not involve child marriages. So, that for me is no longer a, a, a reason so. enough that we should be marrying our children off younger.
1: Mm. And then
8: secondly, also, um, the fact that this marriage thing happens without the consent, even the customary marriage act says there must be consent between the people who are getting married. And then you find that the consent is on behalf of the child. And unfortunately, we still say it should happen even if the child is a minor. There's even a clause that says, then, if the child is a minor, then parents will consent on behalf of the child. But we take away so much from the child whom we are now putting through marriage. Mm. That child is no longer able to live a self-determined life. That child will no longer be able to go to school and be educated. There are health implications, including high maternal deaths. There's also issues of this. Girl child becoming so financially dependent to this person that mm. they get married to, to the fact that they cannot even come out of the marriage. So in a poverty-stricken continent like Africa, girl children are seen as a commodity mm. that will help their parents or their families to come out of mm. the economic troubles. Mm. So mm. then it's no longer done in the form of how it was done. It's only seen now a child as a sellable good. Mm. So it takes away the child's rights, it takes away the the essence of why we even had child marriage at the beginning, because it's now used for economic gain. And unfortunately, the child does not gain anything along the way. The only thing they gain is is victimization and
0: abuse. Mm. Let me take it back to you, Advocate Sibanda, in terms of um, that whole context of um, how African governments have responded to child marriages as a whole because of the traditional elements of it. Have African governments struggled to how they um, deal with it from a legal perspective?
4: Yeah, most definitely. Um, There has been a struggle because um, you're basically caught up in a situation where you have the... European approach because the legal systems as we have them regardless of us saying that um, we attained independence we maintain the legal systems of the colonizers and our entire governmental structures revolve around um, those um, colonial sort of interpretations of um, reality Mm -hmm. and that necessarily militates against much of what is considered cultural which is why i was saying earlier that um the definition of a child now unfortunately is simply linked to a number which is the age of um 18 and um the traditional approaches to what an adult was, like I was saying, that you look at um, the rites of passage and once the initiation process has been um, gone through, that is how it was um, determined and um, we're looking at um, certain um, age groups. So now you'll find that um, by virtue of the fact that we're looking at our reality from an imposed reality, it becomes a bit of a difficulty for governments to be able to deal with this because of the culturalists who basically want to Mm. proceed Mm. to practice their culture in Mm. the manner that it has already been practiced, whereas the government has now passed legislation, which in itself is viewed as conflicting with the culture because the tendency is that when government passes laws, they don't interrogate the culture of the people and see how it relates to the laws that are being passed. Mm. That is why I had um, initially said that we as Africans have to ask ourselves if there is still value in this particular practice or not. And if we decide that um, there is no value, we have the ability to allow our culture to evolve Mm. and we do away with the practices that we deem not to be working for us And um, you raised an issue a few minutes ago about um, child abduction. Mm. This is not about um, abduction. Any abduction is human trafficking. Mm. And definitely the manner in which it is generally raised, this issue of abduction, is in line with the practice of Uwutwala. Mm. But Uwutwala in its proper sense and in its proper practice had nothing to do with abduction. Mm. The oh. mm-hmm. abduction element is in itself criminal, because there is no consent between the parties. But the proper processes of Ugu are basically where men and a woman agreed, and um, having gone through the process, then the woman's family is informed that this is um, the situation, mm-hmm. and then it's a process by which negotiations would have been opened, especially where the woman's family, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, did not seem too keen on mm-hmm. the um, guy who wanted to marry their child, and the child wanted to go there. Where child here doesn't mean a, a young child, doesn't mean a minor. We're talking about a um, person who's grown up and can make that informed consent. And the health aspects that um, UNICEF was talking about, mm-hmm. and um, the sister Zitmobo also touched on a couple of minutes ago. I'm not sure if I fully um, subscribed to that approach personally, we have issues right across the continent about teenage pregnancies. Mm. And um, these teenage pregnancy issues have had nothing to do with the health considerations that are now being touched upon. Mm. So if we have to find a reason as Africans as to why this is not working for us, it has to be founded upon um, empirical evidence that definitely this is the case. Otherwise, um, some of the arguments as far as I'm concerned are not necessarily what we should Talking
0: about well, I'm going to take of, a quick you. break once again, and I want to come back to Nontlan and and really look at those issues that you highlighted. Then look at all the factors because you highlighted a few points there in terms of uh, uh, what we're talking about, and we'll try to break it down as we move on with our program. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's our SMS number. Want to know your thoughts? Do you think that child marriages are still a relevant part of Africa's contemporary societies? Plus 27-79-695-7930. That's our SMS number. Or you can tweet us at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa 1. That's the numeric one at the end. We'll take a quick break and then we'll continue this very, very interesting conversation.
7: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. My name is Sipa Hot Sticks Mabuse,
4: a South African musician and an African artist for that matter. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Pambi.
1: My name is Yvonne Chakachaka Chaka from South Africa, but Africa is my home. You're listening to Channel Africa. The
7: voice of the African Renaissance.
5: My
2: name is Habida, an African artist from Kenya, and you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
0: Well, you are listening to Channel Africa on the frequency nine six two five kilohertz on the thirty-one meter band to Southern Africa. That's our service into the African continent. And remember, on DSTV, we're on channel nine zero two on the audio bouquet. Today, we're looking at child marriages. A lot of facts have come out from uh, this particular UNICEF report titled "A Profile of Child Marriage in Africa," stating that with seventeen percent of child brides living in Africa, seven hundred million girls worldwide are married before their. 18th birthday. And of those, more than 40 million girls were married before they turned 15. The report also estimates a fast population growth could cause the total number of child brides in Africa to double to 310 million. That's a big number. 310 million girls by 2050. Now, let's come back to some of the issues that were highlighted by Advocate Sibanda before we went to that break. Uh, Let me come back to you, in terms of that particular issue of legislation against child marriages, and what um, uh, Advocate Sibanda was highlighting in terms of uh, the difficulties that African governments are dealing with in terms of uh, they don't know how to approach some of these traditional practices.
5: I think it it is important for us to consider the different ways in which we need to address this conflict that exists between culture and human rights a lot of times. And in doing so, I think we should, instead of completely abolishing um, our customs or customary laws that appear to be in contradiction or in contrast to human rights, it's important that we closely look at these um, local cultures and see how, if there are any aspects of those cultures which we can best use in order to achieve um human rights or the aspirations of human rights, so to speak. But I think also important to note um, is the fact that African governments have, through the African Women's Rights Protocol, um, signed and ratified uh, uh, this protocol which speaks to, to to marriages specifically and it's very clear and what I really like about this protocol is that it is an Africa owned and Africa designed instrument it's it takes into consideration um, the, the African context and it's very very clear in terms of how it we should address um, how it it, it gives a, a guideline on how to address the issue of marriages um, for instance, it speaks to, to to the fact that there needs to be free and full consent of both parties to a marriage, and and also it sets the minimum age of marriage as eighteen. And I think that's that's a very clear guideline. And if they, if anything falls outside of that, then it's it's, it's problematic. Then it falls within the whole conjure of of child abuse because if a child is not of age and is not um at a point or one of the parties in this marriage in this case the girl involved is not sufficiently mature to make a decision to get married then um her rights are are contravened in this regard so i think we have a beautiful piece of international regional instruments the african women's rights protocol which speaks to this and as african countries that have ratified this instrument important that we harmonize this within our national legislation and ensure that our national legislation is is, is in harmony to this um, mm,
0: mm, of mm. international. Sure. And let me move to Sikolila about that particular issue of health that was highlighted by advocate uh, Sibanda and saying that it's not necessarily, um, a, you can pinpoint, um, you know, uh, child marriage is through the cause of health issues. It's, it's not necessarily uh, an empirical uh, outcome. Uh, what are your thoughts behind that particular aspect that he highlighted?
8: Um, for me, even it, it, you know, teenage pregnancy has an impact into high maternal uh, death. So there is, there is an age where a woman's body is ready to bear and give birth to a healthy child. And uh, according to the World Health Organization, that would be above the age of 18 at least. So I'm not only saying that um, uh, child marriages are are, are, are are, are the cause of high maternal deaths, but I'm saying early early child pregnancy is the cause of maternal, maternal deaths. Well, let me but let me even even mm. even in cases where the child is not uh, mm. was not forced into mm. marriage, but they are still a teenager and they get pregnant. There's a high there's a high probability that uh, that that mm. pregnancy might end in 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 mortality.
5: Mm.
8: Well, yeah, so that, yeah. that's the linkage. But sure. having said that that's not the only reason why mm. we are saying girl children are girl children. They are not brides um, the fact that um, mentally even that child is not an part in this relationship. Um, secondly, um, the fact that they are unable to even go to school these days. If you are educated, you have better chances of living a self determined life rather than when you, when you are not educated. And then also the financial dependency of of the girl children who get married early. It's, it's, it's a huge and it doesn't help the economy of has a large group of people who are not economically viable. So if you look at the broader scheme of things, the child marriage is no longer relevant in the Africa today. And hence, Nonchanga has been explaining how the African Women's Protocol, in particular Article 5 and 6, also speak about such matters that they need to come to an end.
0: Okay. Now, I've got only five minutes left of the program and I think we've highlighted some forms and I think... um, you know, Susan Nontlanta highlighted those particular issues of how we can actually deal with that particular policy foundation, but also from a practical, local perspective there needs to be a certain response also from communities that take response, or take responsibility to this particular issue of child marriages, and my question to that is, uh, how do we actually create an inclusive movement whereby we have conversations with, with communities to deal with some of the areas that we've spoken about on the program. And I'll start off just very briefly because I've got five minutes. I I want all of you to contribute to this aspect of the advocate. How do we create that all-inclusive conversations that include the communities and those who practice these cultures themselves?
4: Well, um, when you talk about communities, we have to be clear whether we like it or not. Within um, every African setting, the traditional leadership structures are there. To merely have protocols and legislation and you don't involve that particular constituency is what will always create such disconnect. So when we talk to communities, let's not leave out the traditional leadership structures because they are a vital component of how society advances these issues, especially from a cultural perspective and cultural understanding.
0: Mm. And you, Nontlanthe Sibanda, how do we create an all-inclusive environment for this particular issue?
5: I think what is what is very critical is to ensure that girls are at the very core of whatever interventions we seek to. To, to intervene with. Girls need to be at, at, at the core of our programming if we are to deal with the issue of child marriages. We need to be able to provide girl-owned spaces where we offer them economic support, we offer them incentives, we, we, we give them options in life because as has been highlighted, poverty is one of the major drivers of child
6: marriages. Mm.
0: Now, your final sentiments on on this particular conversation, what would you say as a wrap up? How do we create not just a, a bottom down approach and creating protocols as highlighted by Advocate Sibanda, but we create an environment whereby everyone is involved, especially having conversations with the girls as well, I think would be also a good place to start.
8: For, for me, it's, um, it's, it's about us working in a very holistic manner where you find that even how we raise our girl children at home, the, social, the socialization of girl children at home where we are debugging some of the cultural norms and some of the gender stereotypes that we bring up our girls with. That would be number one. So opening up spaces for girl children to speak. Also at a community level, we need to include schools, churches, uh, your traditional leaders and the criminal justice system, whereby we come up with a... The community diverse where we talk about protection of our children. Because at the end of the day, if we were to really protect our children at a community level, where we acknowledge our uh, society norms, we acknowledge our cultural norms, but we then say, are they protecting our children? So we look at it with a protective eye. So for will be where we need to really spend most of our time. And I'm reminded of situations where in communities when the girl child is abducted it will be the very same traditional leaders who are saying this person has contravened the law therefore we can no longer address this issue under the cultural banner. We want this person to be dealt with with, with the police. So there's already that dialogue at the community level. It's just that we don't highlight and embrace it most of the time where culture and, 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 and the criminal justice system starts talking to each other with the protection of the girl child involved. So for me that is key. The protection, exchanging the norms and values and uh, making sure that our gender stereotyping moves away from seeing girl children as bride only. They can be something beyond just becoming a bride. Well, thank you so
0: much for that particular aspect and your views there. Thank you to Skolile Ngobo, who is uh, the gender and women's rights advisor at Oxfam. Thank you as well to Nontanta Sibanda, the gender manager of the Center of the Study of Violence and Reconciliation. Thanks once again to advocate Sabelo Sibanda for joining us here. He's a regular here on African Dialogue. He's the founder at the School of African Awareness and Africa at Goto. Thank you all for being part of this dialogue today on our program.
4: Thank Thanks you. to you, my thank brother. You. Uh, thank you.
0: Fantastic. Now that's how we wrap it up. What are your thoughts? The question is Are child marriages still relevant? Are they still part of Africa's contemporary societies? Uh, let us know what you think of this particular conversation. Plus Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero is our SMS number. Plus Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. 7930. Remember that you can also find us on Twitter at Channel Africa1. At Channel Africa1. That's the number one at the end. It's the numeric one. Or you can find us at African Dialogue don't forget our website is www.channelafrica.org if you've just joined the program you can find our podcast there you just go to the multimedia section and you can be part of this conversation by listening to some of the views that came up uh, in this particular program are child marriages still irrelevant of Africa's contemporary society plus 27 796957930 let's take a quick break we'll be back and then we'll get our economics update <laughs> Well, uh, my friend Wisani Matebula is standing by to give us our economic news.
6: Thanks, Benjamin. And good morning. South Africa's minister in the presidency, Jeff Khadebe, says African local governments need to invest in proper planning and management systems in all urban areas. He says the existence and continuous increase of informal settlements in cities shows there is insufficient planning for growth coupled with insufficient resources to provide housing options for urban dwellers. Hadebe was giving a keynote address at the seventh Africa Cities Summit currently underway here in Johannesburg. Our urban planning and management systems
7: should also help us to create urban form that is appropriate to the local content, to expand basic services, to target the urban poor and vulnerable groups, expanding the social and economic infrastructure and strengthen as well the connectivity between the cities and the domestic and international markets. Planning should be more than a technical
6: tool. And there's still high police presence on the South African parliament as uh, the strike by trade union Nehau continues. This is talks between parliament and the union are still ongoing. The two parties are still battling to reach an agreement on percentages to be paid on performance bonuses. Mercedes percent reports. <laughs>
8: Striking workers continue to chant and dance around the locked gates. They are led by Nehauche person in Parliament's Tembe Sotembe, who addressed them.
4: Away with corruption away. Away with vetting process away. Away with
8: outsourcing away. Tembe told the striking workers that Ehrenreich will come to address them shortly, to show solidarity for the strike.
6: Meanwhile, several ag- agreements have been signed by Business in Africa and elsewhere. This was done at the Global Expo Botswana, which ended on Saturday. It's a platform where companies are exposed to opportunities in the world through networking with their counterparts. Itumeling has more. Most companies
2: came to the Expo with hope of signing agreements with businesses from different parts of the world. This will enable such businesses to grow. But work still has to be done to realize that because every country has its own legislations that may make it possible or even hinder it.
6: In Zimbabwe's and Zimbabwe's cash strapped and investment-starved uh, economy will grow by uh, 2.1% next year after sagging 1.5% this year. Finance Minister Patrick Chinamasa says the recruitment capital expenditure was eating into infrastructure investment requirements. Zimbabwe witnessed negative growth in its crucial mining and agriculture sectors but received some respite from construction and tourism this year. And to neighboring Zambia, where the kwacha has firmed 1.4% against the U.S. dollar, supported by last week's pledge by President Edgar Lungu to cut spending and support the struggling mining uh, sector. The kwacha touched a session high of 10.5 per dollar within easy reach. It continues strengthening against the greenback and other major convertibles backed by tight monetary policy and continued dollar flows from corporates. And that's your economic news for now.
0: Well, let's get our sports from Tamik
2: Thanks for joining us once again in your sport. Let's start with soccer, where Nigeria got their CAF under-23 championship campaign off to a shaky but winning start on Sunday, etching out to Mali by three goals to two in their Group B encounter. Tony Ubani reports.
7: This is a match that Samson Siasia would quickly want to forget as he attempts to qualify Nigeria for next year's Summer Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro. Siasia, like most Nigerians, would not be happy with the second half display of his dream team who largely went to sleep in the second half and almost allowing Mali to claw their way back into the game, parading what Seemed a dream-striking pair of Liverpool's Taiwo Awoniyi and CS Safian Junior Ajaye in attack. Nigeria made a dream start when Ajayi netted the opener in the 15th minute. Ajayi's goal could not have come at a better time, scoring against the run of play, tipping in the ball with the back of his right foot. He was a regular scorer during the qualifying matches for this tournament and fully deserved to get the ball rolling.
2: And on cricket, India test cricket skipper Virat Kohli says that the team is not playing to set records but to win the matches. In a repeat of the opening game in Mohali, India wrapped up the victory in the third test in Nagpur with more than two days to spare after their spinners claimed all 20 South African wickets. With one test drawn, India have
6: won all four match series. We're not playing for records, we're not playing for numbers, we're not playing for averages So let's not get into that matter, that's all that is to it I mean in Sri Lanka our performances weren't that great with the bat But we still won the series It is the bowlers who are going to win your test matches, as simple as that If you don't take 20 wickets you can have an average of 55, it doesn't matter
2: India's victory ended, South Africa's 9 year run of losing away series And visiting captain Hashim Amla says that he felt that the pitches played a crucial role
3: I think it would be a bit harsh to say that the South African team has, has struggled to score on. I think if you look got the Indian team, although they're on the winning side, um, it's been tough for their batters as well. And given the, the quality of spinners that the Indians do have, obviously it's going to be a lot more tougher
2: for us uh, on, these, on these conditions. And athletics athletics, Kenezebe Dibaba had a great sporting year on the track and fittingly got crowned IWAF 2015 World Athlete of the Year. The Ethiopian became the first African female athlete to win the special accolade. Our correspondent, Geshom Nyati, reports.
0: This is a
2: proud moment for Kenezebe Dibaba. She started the season on a flying note, easily dominating in the 1500, 3000 and 5000 meter races. The 24-year-old was the most talked-about athlete at the Diamond League Series held in the USA, Norway and France where she was unstoppable in the 5,000 meters. She went on to win a gold medal in the 1,500 meters at the World Championships in China. More fascinating for Debaba was that she destroyed her opponents by huge margins and typically ran against the clock on her own. The only two other African female athletes who have won the award, a former South African high jumper, Hester Kloot in 2003, and Meseret Defar of Ethiopia in 2007. Gershwam Yati Channel Africa Sports, London. And finally, in golf, South Africa's Charles Schwartzel has won the Alfred Daniel Championship by four shots at Leopard Creek Country Club on Sunday to clinch the first tournament of the European Tour season. Nick Nikda reports.
7: It's Schwarzl's 10th European Tour win some two years since his previous title. It's been a trying time when he's struggled with his game, reworking it, and only recently feeling things click into place. He finished fourth in Dubai, so he was inevitably one of the favourites on a course where he's not only won three times previously, but been second on four occasions. He said he was uncomfortable with his third-round performance, and there were awkward moments on the final day – but two early birdies in the back nine saw him clear of Greg Bourdie in second, with fellow Frenchman Benjamin Ebert in third. Schwartzl had been close to slipping from the world's top 50. He now leaps back to a round 35th position, claiming the first event of the 2016 season. And that's the end of our sport. Stay tuned to
2: Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
0: Well, that's uh, how we wrap it up. Tomorrow we'll be speaking about uh, World AIDS Day. It's very interesting indeed the topics that we bring out here. So do join us from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock where we zoom into the big stories on the continent of Africa. Remember, you can always find us right here on Channel Africa on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. That's our main uh, service into the continent via shortwave. Or you can find us on uh, DSTV. That's Channel 902 on the audio book. Don't forget to stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za Remember, we want to hear from you. We were asking the question today, are child marriages still a relevant part of Africa's contemporary societies? Let us know your thoughts. SMS us on 2779 Until tomorrow, God bless.